Talk Radio 96.7 presents The Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. We're talking sports this Thursday night. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. Turning scrap metal into cash. Ho, 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 Zone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe here. Yeah, got a lot of sports to talk about. And a lot of sports going to be on the radio here at Hall Communications this Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Florida Gators going to take on the Oregon State Beavers in the Las Vegas Bowl. 2.30 kickoff, 11.30 pregame on WONN, 12.30 a.m., 107.1 FM. And then Sunday, the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to take on the resurgent Cincinnati Bengals. That'll be a 425 kickoff, 330 pregame. That'll be right here on WLKF, 96.7, 1430 a.m. Then the following week on Christmas Day, the Bucks will take on the Cardinals in Arizona. That's a Sunday night game, 820 kickoff, 730 pregame. Then the Bucks will return home to Raymond James in the new year on New Year's Day. And that's a 1 p.m. kickoff, noon will be the pregame. Well, Coach Joe, the football world lost a great one in Mike Leach. And uh, Mike Leach was certainly a very entertaining and maybe the most unorthodox uh, college football coach around. You know, he was a guy that never played college football. He played rugby at BYU, but never played college football. And yet, you know, he's spawned his coaching tree, has spawned a lot of guys when he was at Oklahoma, he was Bob Stoops' first offensive coordinator out there. He was the one that lobbied hard for him to sign a kid named Josh Heupel, who led him to the national championship the next year, beating FSU 13-2. to And he also got a transfer from Georgia named Nate Heibel, and uh, he was a pretty good quarterback. And then he also got him to sign a kid named Jason White. You might remember him, won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, those were great Oklahoma teams in the early 2000s. Uh, they uh, Nobody expected them to beat FSU in that 2000 national title game. And uh, sure enough, Josh Heupel, they, they actually uh, beat down FSU in that game. I think it was 14-2. to It was really, really a, a surprise because FSU, with its high-powered offenses, they had all the time to, to yeah. I, I hadn't. It had been years since I'd seen them shut down that way. So uh, they played some decent defense, too. Stoops was a great defensive mind, but... The offense uh, that they were able to, to generate, uh, Mike White, or, excuse me, not Mike White, but Leach. Mike Leach was an innovator, and he had such an influence on Heupel. You see the great t- offense that Tennessee has now under Josh Heupel. And, th- you know, when they were profiling uh, Josh Heupel earlier this year and talking about how good Tennessee was doing, they, they gave a lot of credit to Leach. And, you know, besides Oklahoma, he had great success at Texas Tech with the air raid offense. That was that was special to watch. And Cliff Kingsbury was playing there. And uh, uh, they had they had an amazing team pulled pulled a couple of shocking upsets. And out in Washington State, maybe not as uh, successful out there, but he had really brought a le- level of excitement to Mississippi State. And they were fun to watch this year. And, you know, it's nice to see that his last game was a win in that exciting Egg Bowl game. But it is really sad to see him go at such a young age and so suddenly, too. I know a lot of people were shocked by it. And there's a lot of sadness there because besides being a great coach, uh, he was well and highly regarded as a good guy and a thoughtful person 
And a little bit of a character, too, which is always fun. Yeah, no no doubt about that. Certainly a character. I've heard a lot of stories about him since that happened. And, uh, you know, the, I guess the, the biggest win that I remember was when he was at Texas Tech and they beat number one Texas in uh, a game out there in Lubbock. Yeah, Clay Brooks, the touchdown in the final seconds. I was watching that game. I think Cliff Kingsbury is the quarterback, if I remember right. And it, it was a pass, a deep pass uh, that he actually caught around the five-yard line and broke the tackle right on the sideline, tiptoed in yes. right, at, yeah. at the gun. Incredibly exciting. One of the more exciting games in recent college football history. But that was that Texas Tech air raid offense that, that he masterminded. He, he, was, uh, he was brilliant. Yeah, he really was. And, you know, he was a lawyer by trade. And, uh, you know, he, he actually could have been – he'd finished law school and he decided that he wanted to go into coaching. And so he did, and he was a GA, you know, living on, I'm sure, beans and rice for a while. And uh, he actually hooked up at, uh, let me see, Iowa Wesleyan. And he hooked up with a guy named Hal Mummy. And Hal Mummy said, you're the offensive coordinator, do what you want. And uh, so he and Mummy cooked that up, and then they stayed together for a while. And uh, he ended up going to Valdosta State with Mummy, then Kentucky, and then um, he went to Oklahoma. That late 90s Kentucky team was fun to watch. They had oh, they Tim were. Couch at quarterback and Mummy coaching and, and Leach there too as a, as a coach. That that team could could light up the scoreboard. Yeah, they didn't win a lot of games. Well, they didn't play any defense. <laughs> yeah, they, that's right. They did, but they always went for it on fourth down, no matter yeah. what. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, certainly, we hate to lose Mike Leach, but we've got a great guest coming up, and um, we're going to take a break. And we come back, you're going to hear about the history of the Orange Bowl, both the game and the stadium. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk. Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Jack Youngblood, former Florida Gator, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean on the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. And the Ozone tonight is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone, and we have got another great guest with us. Jay Rao, who has the website Ghosts of the Orange Bowl. Jay, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Are you there, Jay? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah we are. can. Okay. Um, Jay, wow, what a fascinating website that you've put together. The first Orange Bowl was January 1st, 1935, and the powerful Bucknell squad beat Miami 26 to nothing in that game. And then the one I wanted to ask you about was in 1952, Baylor in their first Orange Bowl beat Georgia Tech 17 to nine. It was Georgia Tech's first uh, since 1948, and then they played the Gators in 1967 in their next Orange Bowl. But there was some controversy there, and the controversy was that the University of San Francisco Dons were supposed to play in the game and had been issued, according to one site, had been issued an invitation to play in the game, but they said they couldn't let their black players play. So they declined the offer, and then it ended up Baylor versus Georgia Tech. Now, another site said that's not true, that they just took the two higher-ranked teams. What do you know about that game? As far as I know, I believe that is correct. Uh, 
the University of San Francisco was uh, supposedly invited to the Orange Bowl, but they they had, I believe, at the t- at the time, the Orange Bowl had n- Miami, the city of Miami, had very strict Jim Crow laws, where um, African Americans were not even allowed to attend the games unless they worked at the stadium, and uh, and if you worked at the stadium and you were black, you had to have a a uh, an identification card, believe it or not, in those days. And at that time, USF uh, San Francisco, they they had an undefeated team in 1952, I believe that was the year. And one of those players was Ollie Matson, who was probably one of the best uh, running backs at that time in the country. And that San Francisco team, as it turned out, was loaded with talent. They had I think three future Hall of Famers. Matson was one of them. Gino Marchetti and Bob St. Clair. That is correct. Yes, uh, those were the three Hall of Famers. And yes, uh, the the university, as far as I know, um, the University of San Francisco was invited, but they, uh, but under the condition that they were not allowed to bring their African American players with them. They also um, had a publicist. You might have heard of a guy named Pete Roselle. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> yes, yes, I believe. And Pete Rosell, actually, uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Pete Rosell because yesterday I, uh, on the Ghost of the Orange Bowl, we did a we did a little feature on Tech Schramm, the uh, former president of the Dallas Cowboys. And before Schramm uh, joined the Cowboys, he was an executive with the Los Angeles Rams, and he gave Pete Rosell his first job as the PR director. Of the Los Angeles Rams, so just a little little wow. useless trivia right there. Yeah. Our guest tonight, Jay Rowe. Hey, if you are out there on on Facebook, besides going to the ninety six point seven Facebook page, obviously, but the other page you want to go to is Ghosts of the Orange Bowl. Uh, Jay Rowe, the creator of the web page uh, on Facebook with us tonight, 682-1430, Jay, Coach Joe here. I, you know, I grew up in Miami, and the Orange Bowl is a sacred place to me. And uh, when I first found uh, Ghost of the Orange Bowl on Facebook, I I was just amazed. And and every day you you managed to to post a number of things with very detailed, rich in history. And uh, the question that that I got to know is, is how do you do it? How do you how do you know and and find all of this incredible information about all of the past history related to South Florida and the Orange Bowl? Well, I guess I, I guess at first I have to say I'm uh, I have to admit that I am a history nerd and <laughs> I, as a That's history we nerd, kind of I, are too I, up here yeah, <laughs> with this show. <laughs> well, I love it. I and and it's I, I I do a lot of reading and I. I'm also um, big into local South Florida history and, and huge into sports. So what better than to have, you know, sports history of South Florida? And there's no building that really captures the essence of South Florida sports history than the Orange Bowl. And unfortunately, it's gone forever. But, you know, I wanted to I wanted to I started this page back in 2012. And I want at the time I was looking for information about the Orange Bowl on the Internet and everything that I found really didn't satisfy my curiosity. So I I decided to start my own page and try to make a, a page dedicated to the complete history of the Orange Bowl. And, you know, not just football, but also we talk about some of the other events like concerts and 
maybe other sports like soccer uh, or uh, political rallies, religious rallies, so many uh, different events. Tra- we've you know we've had tractor pulls and and, and, <laughs> and all kinds of stuff, monster trucks. Uh, we we've done we've done posts on just about everything you can think. Of, pro wrestling. Um, you yeah. name it. Uh, if yeah. it happened in the Orange Bowl, we cover it. Yeah, I saw Springsteen there in 85. I remember that. And uh, my sister, Mike Lean, who's also with us in studio, she she remembers uh, being at an Orange Bowl game that President Kennedy attended. And I think uh, I've seen you post about that. And we were we were talking about this last week a little bit. The last one he attended, I believe, was the 1963 Orange Bowl. Uh, Leroy Jordan in Alabama in that game? Yes, yes, that was Alabama against Oklahoma, and I think that game is known for two things. You you mentioned Leroy Jordan. He set an uh, I don't know if that's an NCAA record, but definitely an Orange Bowl record. He had something like thirty one solo tackles wow. in that game, or some some <laughs> ridiculous amount. Uh, and and that game was also known for two other things. Uh, a, a sophomore quarterback from Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, started that game for Alabama, named Joe Namath. <laughs> who uh, would do some other great things at the Orange Bowl some years down the road. And then not so great in 1965 uh, when Tommy Nobis stopped him on fourth down and uh, Texas well, beat uh, Alabama 21-17 in that game, right? Yes, that is correct. And every time I post about that game, it's funny because I always get a whole bunch of Alabama fans <laughs> that uh, he really scored. game has crossed the goal line. Uh, of course, of course. <laughs> they just didn't have the camera angles like they did back then. You, you know, we, we've been lucky on this show. Uh, we've had some great Orange Bowl uh, figures who've joined us here. We had uh, Burgess Owens, uh, Dwight Stevenson, Larry Little. Uh, Steve Spurrier. Uh, Steve, yeah, Steve Spurrier and um, uh, Kenny Calhoun, uh, who uh, knocked down the, the famous extra point, two-point conversion pass who knocked it away to preserve Miami's 31-30 victory over Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes. and and just seeing – now, uh, with respect to to, um, to your site, uh, I, I kind of want to know, um, you know, a lot of times you focus on a player or you'll focus on, on a particular uh, time or game. Uh, just uh, where do you get your information from? Well, one of the things that I do is to keep everything relevant um, – um, I, I try to. I, I made a list uh, of every big name player that I could think of. I, I wrote this down one time, and I just wrote down every single big name player I could think of, and even some not so big name players. And I found out when their birthdays were, and I just wrote them on a calendar. <laughs> and I kept a calendar, and I kept track of kept track of wh- when these guys were born. And each day, there's always a birthday. And every day, there's always somebody's birthday or, or there's, a, there's an anniversary of a specific game. Um, <laughs> so today, there were a whole bunch of birthdays today. Uh, uh, Nick Bon, yeah. the late Nick Bonacani was born on this day. And so, so a great I've highlight clip material. you put on there today of his. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks. I, I have, I have a, a friend of mine up in New York who helps me out with the videos, and he's always sending me videos all the time. Uh, give a shout out to Alex Carter, and uh, he's always sending me videos, so I I post them up there, and it, it really does add to the page. You know, people get to see some of the stuff that a lot of the videos you can find obviously on YouTube, but you know, we try to we try to consolidate everything onto our page, and 
you know, try to, you know, if, you, if it, we try to make it kind of a one-stop shop, if you will, of, of the Orange Bowl's history, just on one site. You know? Jay, I had a question. The 1967 Orange Bowl was the Florida Gators' first major bowl victory behind a senior quarterback in his last game named Steve yeah. Spurrier. But the most valuable player was a mm-hmm. guy named Larry Smith. And uh, yeah. Larry Smith had a 94-yard touchdown run, which broke Ernie Coy's record from the University of Texas of 79 yards. Is that still the longest run from scrimmage in the Orange Bowl? I think it is. I'm not completely sure. I think it is, though. Uh, you know, a funny story about Larry Smith's touchdown run is that his pants yeah. were falling down <laughs> as he was as he was about to cross the goal line. He had to grab his pants. That's uh, right. Luckily, he was able to get to the end zone before anybody could catch him, you know, but uh, – it would have been funny, you know, if he had to run maybe 10 more yards, uh, his pants probably would have fallen down. Well, his touchdown was set up by an interception by a guy from Polk County, which is where we are. Bobby Downs made an interception of Kim King at the six-yard line, and uh, we've had Bobby on this show before, but uh, a lot of people don't realize that. But uh, Bobby Downs was a great high school quarterback here, and then he played defensive back for the Gators there. But, um, man, there's been so much in the Orange Bowl. I I was a big Baltimore Colt fan back in the day, and the Colts both broke my heart and made my day in the Orange Bowl. They lost to the Jets and Namath, you know, in Super Bowl three, but then they came back and they won Super Bowl five, both of which were in the Orange Bowl, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, one of of my favorite clips that we uploaded for the site concerning Super Bowl three was uh, was a clip of Howard Cosell. (laughs) <laughs> about uh, I think it was the weekend of Super Bowl three, just yeah, before the game that. was played. Yeah, and he predicted in that game that the Colts would win thirty-eight to ten. Uh, <laughs> and you know, a lot of people, you know, you know, comment, "Oh, Howard was so wrong and all that." But to be fair to Howard, I mean, that's how most people felt at the time. You know, like nobody gave the Jets any chance. The, I mean, the AFL had been crushed in the first two Super Bowls by Green Bay. Um, and maybe it was because not not necessarily because the American Football League was inferior. It was just because Green Bay was just that good, you know. And uh, uh, but but the Jets proved that they certainly could play with them, and uh, they proved a lot of people wrong that day. Jed, I would I'd love to spend all night going over memories of Dolphins football in the '70s and '80s, mm-hmm. and the Canes in the '70s and the '80s. So some of the amazing games that that I got to attend at the Orange Bowl. But I wanted to ask you real quick. We got only about a minute left. Uh, yeah, do you do like other media down there, uh, uh, either radio or TV? No, this is just a hobby that I do on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a freelance writer, uh, uh, a copywriter. But uh, this is something that I just do on my own, uh, just uh, just a hobby. I, I wrote sports way back when I was a, when I was in college uh, at FIU. Uh, in the student newspaper, but that's about it. Um, well, but we kind of do this show as a hobby too every week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ronnie's been doing it for 20 years. I've been doing it for about eight. So uh, now, now I found you on Facebook. Uh, some of my older colleagues here might not be as uh, <laughs> active on social media. Is there another way to uh, keep up with uh, your site? Um, well, I, I mean, we, I do have some interviews that are on YouTube Um that uh, you can, if you type in "Ghost of the Orange Bowl," I, I've done some. I've done some work for uh, Miami's community newspapers, uh, 
Uh, and a lot, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people um, for the Go See Orange Bowl, uh, some former players that you may recognize, like Nat Moore and uh, oh, yeah. Randall Hill. Yeah. yeah, Nat was on the uh, show, too, yeah. Don yeah. Bailey Jr., some, some um and, 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 you know, we, you might be able to find some of those interviews on, on YouTube. Um, I, I'd like to expand it eventually to, to Instagram and, uh, I, uh, and, and maybe some other, uh, maybe, maybe even TikTok. <laughs> hey, well, Jay, any way that we can help spread the word, because what you do is fantastic. And I'm not, I'm not just saying, saying that because, you know, I, I, I'm a sports junkie, as, as it were, but I do not miss whatever you put on, on Ghosts of the Orange Bowl. It means a lot to me and a lot to any of us who grew up in Miami and, and spent so much time at the Orange Bowl. Like I said, it's, it's kind of a sacred place. And, and thank you for doing this and keep up the good work. And please join us again sometime soon. We'll talk more about South Florida sports any chance we get. Hey, absolutely. Anytime you guys need me, just give me a call. Ah, uh, thanks. We sure will, and we really appreciate you joining us tonight in the Ozone. It's Jay Rao, Ghost of the Orange Bowl. It's on Facebook. Uh, look at it, check it out. It's it's amazing stuff. Jay, thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon. Merry thanks. Christmas, Thank buddy. You. Thank you for having me. Thanks. All right, you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio ninety six point seven WLKF, and we'll be right back after Kim Commando. Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone right now. Back in Talking Sports. Ronnie O and Coach Joe tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. Man, that was so much fun. And we just barely even scratched the surface of the history of the Orange Bowl. But, I mean, you could take so many stadiums and do the same thing. And, you know, it's just like... Wow, all that happened in the Orange Bowl, and then they tore it down. There, there were so many things uh, you know, um, that we could have talked about. Uh, I never even mentioned to Jay that uh, Super Bowl X, I, I was there. <laughs> that, that was the great Lynn Swan game in the Orange Bowl. Yeah. That was an amazing one. We touched on Miami beating Nebraska 31-30. Kenny Calhoun, who's, who we've had on the show before, made the big play at the end of that game. And... Uh, uh, you you mentioned, uh, or we were talking about, both of us were talking about, the last Orange Bowl classic game that was actually played in the Orange Bowl was the Gators in Syracuse uh, at the end of the 98 season. Uh, by then, the Orange Bowl had moved its classic to uh, what's now Hard Rock Stadium. But in 1998, uh, the Dolphins had a, a, a playoff game or this would probably have been 99, beginning of 99, the Dolphins had a playoff game against Buffalo scheduled in uh, Robbie Stadium or, or in Hard Rock Stadium. And so they moved the Orange Bowl Classic game back to the Orange Bowl for that one more season. That was the Gators in Syracuse. And I was at that game, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm thinking maybe that was the end of the 99 season. That's one thing I'm not 100% sure of. <laughs> In fact, I think that that's true. Okay, so that would have been end of 99, early 2000. Because I believe uh, I believe Y2K, I was down in Miami, standing out there uh, on Biscayne Bay, watching the ball come down off of uh, that, uh, what building? I don't know if Dr. Michael remembers. Well. The Intercontinental Hotel, yeah. They had their own version of the ball drop in Miami back then because you— 
back then the Orange Bowl included a parade on New Year's Eve, and that was a big deal, Ronnie. You go, we loved the parade. It was a, it was an, always at night. You know, things in Miami they always happen at night. The Orange Bowl game <laughs> and, the, and the parade, and and so you had the spectacular lights and all that stuff that was going on, and and the parade was a big deal, nationally televised and all that, and and you'd stick around downtown there along Biscayne Boulevard, and you you bring in the New Year. And, uh, I, you know, they still do it, but it's not quite the same anymore. That was really a special time. And, and there's so many memories that are touched on when, whenever I read Ghosts of the Orange Bowl. And it, it was a pleasure talking to Jay, and I hope we can have him on again soon because, like you said, we barely scratched the surface. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the things I remember, I think it was that 84 game, Miami-Nebraska, is that Nebraska had a third, a critical third down, like third and five at the – 19 yard line and they ran that fumble Ruski and Dean Steinkuhler yeah. <laughs> ran. I, I just watched it a minute ago and Miami the defensive end ran right by him. I mean if it had been two hand touch, <laughs> one hand touch, he could have gotten him but he didn't realize he had the ball. He was still going after the quarterback. You know watching the replay of that it's still hard to see you have to when they do the zoom in close up slow motion instant yeah. replay yeah. that's when that's when you can see how Turner Gill left the ball down on the on the field. Well, for something that John Brody, the color commentator, brought up. up. I think it was Don Cricky and John Brody, if I remember right. Yeah, during yeah. the game, Brody said that it was only legal. He could not hand the ball off to a lineman. It had to be on the ground. And when you watch it, it's like he spiked the ball and it bounced up. But Steinkuhler didn't get it on the bounce. He picked it up off the ground, and most of Miami didn't realize that he had it. It seemed like there was one guy who was maybe a safety that realized he had the ball, but one of his own guys blocked him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man, what a game. And then in uh, 1981, Florida State had gone undefeated in the regular season, and they lost to Oklahoma 18-17. J.C. Watts, Julius Caesar Watts was the quarterback at Oklahoma. It went on to be a United States congressman. I remember uh, they pulled off the two-point conversion to take the lead. That wasn't at the very end of the game like Nebraska-Miami was, but it was, it was late in the game, though, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know why remember I remember that. that. How do you remember I that? I don't know. I just remember that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it, Hey, Eric, I think if we put Eric and or if we put Ronnie and Jay in the same room, the the amount of the amount of knowledge that would would blow us blow us right out of here. We'd know? also need oxygen. Yeah, yeah. we would. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they'd suck it all right out of the room. And the one that I didn't really like, but it happened there, was January first, nineteen ninety four, when Florida State beat Nebraska. And uh, you know, I, I don't like Florida State, as you might have gathered by listening over the years. And Bowden won is is. Um, uh, first national championship, even though Notre Dame had beaten them and won their bowl game by more than Florida State won theirs. And the Nebraska kicker blew a field goal of about 40 yards right at the end. They came yeah. back throwing the ball when they really couldn't throw the ball. And uh, they almost beat them, but Yeah, they managed to, to get into field goal range, and there was a controversy whether there was still a second left on the clock. And so there was a long delay, and they finally got everything settled down and and we got the field cleared and all that, and then the kick was – it wasn't just wide left. I, barely, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it would have – I think it went out of bounds to the left. It was so far <laughs> – it was so far off. It was it was way off. But Do the, you remember Florida State <laughs> had already doused Bowden with the Gatorade? They had, yeah. And the game wasn't over. <laughs> and he's standing out there like – 
what the heck's going on? What what, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen such a premature dowsing since the bluegrass miracle oh, in Kentucky yeah. and LSU. Yeah. <laughs> oh my <laughs> that gosh, that happened, man. Oh, uh, and then two thousand, Michigan thirty-five, Alabama thirty-four. A Michigan quarterback by the name of Tom Brady. Oh, yeah, what a game that led was. Led him back <laughs> to win, and then Alabama missed the extra point in overtime in to overtime. lose the game. Missed the extra point in overtime. Wow. Well, it serves Alabama right. They beat the Gators in overtime in 99 yeah. when the Gators missed an extra point in overtime. I, I still don't think that extra point was bad, and I think Alabama's was bad in that game. But <laughs> Well, remember, um, they actually did miss it. Alabama did miss it, but we were offside on the play, and they got a second oh, yeah. chance. I, I still didn't think they made it. But. Yeah, I don't talk about this much. I was uh, in grad school at University of Miami uh, from 85 to 88, and so the uh, UM was at the height of its powers, the Jimmy Johnson era then, and I went to a lot of games at the Orange Bowl then, and the student section used to be um, in the lower deck but, but up towards the back so that we were underneath the upper deck. <laughs> that was an echo chamber like none other. That was deafening under there. Oh, bet. <laughs> so you think, bet. Oh, man, that was – I saw some amazing games in there. I saw all of the Miami-Oklahoma games uh, at the Orange Bowl during that era, the Bosworth era. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was at all of them, and they were – they were. You, you thought you thought there was some atmosphere. It was off the charts, man. <laughs> I went there a couple times when the Gators were good, and um, that 85 game when the Gators beat them – uh, like the onside kick to start the second half and uh, ended up beating us like 35-23 or something like that. I don't remember the score. Do you remember? That's actually very close. I think it was 35-23. Um, 6-8-2-14-30 if you know, if you can find the answer yeah. before I do because I'm going to look it up in a minute here. <laughs> and then 1995, Nebraska beat Miami 24-17 and uh, Tommy Frazier started the game and he'd had the trouble with the blood clots. And then Brooke Berenger, who would later die in a plane crash, horrifically um, came in. He wasn't very effective. They put Frazier back in, and uh, they ended up winning 24-17. But, man, so much history down there. Um, there was another – what Super Bowl was it? There was a second cowboy Steeler game and the Steelers won 35-31. Yeah, that was I was at the first one, Super Bowl ten. I mentioned earlier. Uh, that was 21-17. Pittsburgh beat Dallas. And the second one, Pittsburgh again won. That was Super Bowl 13, three years later. That was the last Super Bowl that was played at the Orange Bowl. By then, uh, the stadiums were were that were more modern were starting to get Super Bowls, the ones with the skyboxes and the and the luxury suites. And the city of Miami, you know, Joe Robbie wanted the city of Miami to put those sorts of improvements in the Orange Bowl, basically renovate, renovate it, and they never did. And so Robbie uh, had the wherewithal to get what is now Hard Rock Stadium. He got it built in 1986. Basically, he, he leveraged his entire fortune to do it. It wasn't one of those things where the city built it for him. He built it himself, and uh, it became the kind of the state of the art for, and the model for stadiums to follow after that. And uh, and that's why that's still Hard Rock Stadium is still a viable stadium, although part of it is because they got a bunch of improvements a few years ago to modernize it, but uh, also because of, of the, the vision that Joe Robbie had. Unfortunately, that sort of began the slow decline of the Orange Bowl, and by uh, 2007, the Canes weren't playing there anymore. And uh, after that, nobody was, and nobody was improving it. 
My huh. last game there was 2003, the Gators and Canes, the Brock Berlin game. Yeah, I was there at that and, game uh, too. And it, it was in need of a lot of work. I love the place, but yeah. uh, it, it, not, nothing. You got to renovate these places after after 70 and 80 years, you know, uh, or they fall apart. Exactly. That Super Bowl 13. I remember Roger Staubach was throwing into the end zone. I think it was the last play of the game. It was, a guy named yeah. Percy Howard. And uh, he had been a basketball player. And the Cowboys back then had so many of these guys that had been from really small, nondescript colleges or maybe they'd been basketball players or something. I think Preston Pearson, I think, was a basketball player, if I remember correctly. He was a great running back. Yeah, he was. He was actually with the Steelers and with the Cowboys as well. And the Colts. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, Percy Howard, that was his only catch was a touchdown in the Super Bowl. That was it, and uh, that got them to within 21-17, and they managed to get the ball back. Uh, on, on the last Pittsburgh touchdown, that long pass Bradshaw to Swan, what you didn't see was as Bradshaw released it, he got hit with a with a hit that would be oh, incredibly yeah. illegal yeah. today. Yeah. And he was knocked out of the rest of the game. Yeah. And so Hanratty, the backup, wasn't able to move the ball, and Dallas got that one last chance. Well, you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Uh, we're talking here on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. We'll be back. We'll have that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Hi, I'm Chris Leak, MVP of the 2006 BCS National Championship game for the Florida Gators. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ozone. Oh, yeah. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Brought to you by... Allied scrap processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe, speaking of cash, I can hear it now. I hear some stomachs growling. I hear those dialing fingers itching. You didn't know you could hear that, did you? Well, we've got a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. They've got over 40 strategically located television sets you can watch your favorite sporting event from anywhere in the restaurant, and they have drink and meal specials every night of the week. So you can go in there, and your $30 will go a long, long way. Well, all right. We mentioned earlier that Nick Bonacani would have been 82 years old today. He passed away in 2019, I believe. Is that right? 2015, somewhere back in there? Uh, no, it was more recently, yeah, that Bonacani passed 2019, away. 2019, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Okay. And uh, if you haven't won the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And what we want to know is, what was Nick Bonacani's number with the Dolphins? Was it A, 85, or B, 51? 682-1430. We're waiting for you to give us a call. And as long as you don't take Eric out there with you, you'll get a lot to eat and drink for $30. Nick Bonacani died on July 30th, 2019, at the age of 78 years old. Uh, He would have been 82 um, today, I guess. Uh, He was so, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the Ale House, by the way, guys, uh, uh, I checked uh, with Jorge, general manager there. They will, on Sunday, be open early at 10 o'clock, so in time for the— uh, kickoff in the World Cup final, Argentina versus France. Huge, obviously, the biggest game in the world going on that morning. The game will uh, be starting at 10. You can get there and and see the entire game there at the Ale House with their dollar wing specials and their uh, drink specials that they have going on. So keep that in mind. And, uh, oh, by the way, 
Uh, today, I was given this, not by uh, the alehouse itself, but by a friend who gave me a $20 gift card to the alehouse, which I'll be using this weekend for sure. All right. The alehouse makes a great, alehouse gift card makes a great Christmas present. So keep that in mind too, ladies and gentlemen. The food there is terrific. The service is impeccable. Uh, the Orange Bowl is not around anymore, but I have, a, I have a new sacred home, and it's the Ale House, 5650 South Florida <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> there you go. And uh, as Coach Joe said, I mean, everything about it is fun. They're so gracious about, hey, can I get this game on that TV? Sure. And they just take care of their customers so well. And Jorge is just such a gracious host out there. It's so much fun to go out there. All right, give us a call, 682-1430. If you haven't won the last six months, what we want to know is Nick Bonacani would have been 82 years old today. When he played with the Dolphins, what was his number? It's multiple choice. You got a 50-50 chance. Was it 85 or was it 51? 682-1430. There you go. How easy is that? Yeah, and yeah, you know, the... Uh, numbering system was different back in the 70s, uh, and it's different today, too. There was yeah. a time there when it was kind of uniform, but it was it, what they have today is closer to what they had back in the 70s where you know anybody could wear a number. Uh, Jake Scott used to wear 13. Yeah. He was a defensive back. And you know the, there was a while there, I think it was under Roselle, when he really got control of everything. And, <laughs> and, and he, he had, uh, or maybe it was Tagliabue, they, they had a real strict numbering system. If you played a certain position, you had to wear a certain number. But they've gotten away from that more recently. Now you see all sorts of defensive linemen wearing single digits and everything like that. So, so it's, uh, not, not, it's more like it used to be. It's not like it was in you know in the last twenty years. Is is the NFL lightening up a little bit? Is that? Is that uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know that to that. some extent. But you're right. I remember the offensive linemen were like seventy to seventy nine. Yeah. And the wide receivers were eighty to eighty nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were no nineties. Yeah. I don't think anybody well, had a ninety number back then, did they? No, it was very rare. It was very rare. Mark Gastineau wearing ninety nine stuck out back then yeah. because he sort of broke the mold. Uh you know, uh but it, it was very it, it was you know, linemen generally wore a certain number, but it could be in the sixties or the seventies or the eighties even. Yeah. Or or even the fifties. Well the so, centers were usually like fifty to fifty nine, usually lower fifties. Yeah, well, I, I know Jim Langer always wore number 62, and, yeah. and Larry Little wore 66, and Kuchenberg 67. So they were in the 60s, but then there were guys who were in the 70s. Was double zero, he, he was double was zero. AFL. Yeah, yeah. so he got to wear, wear that. And, and wide receivers, they, they could wear almost any number. Uh, well, Paul Warfield's 42, for example. Right. Give us a call, 682-1430. We're just about out of time, but we'll hang around for a little while. All you got to do is call in and guess what was Nick Bonacani's number with the Dolphins? Was it 85 or 51? 682-1430. Well, Coach Joe will be back next week. I'm going to be off. Merry Christmas, Ronnie. Merry Christmas yeah. to all, to you and to Michaeline and everybody out there, the Clarkster. And uh, if you need some money for Christmas, call Eric. Yeah. Um, Just cut it out, Ronnie. He's usually home, and about 3 a.m. is a good time to call him. <laughs> And, uh, that's when he's got his money ready to go. Ready to go. So go Argentina. Uh, all right. <laughs>